0: Thanks to all of you, especially patrons of our parent program, Daily Tech News Show. Get the ad-free version of the show and more at patreon.com slash DTNS. Coming up on Photo News Monthly, Adobe announces photographer-centric updates. Is there life left for APS-C cameras? And a new film stock hits the market. This is the photography news for the month of June 2022. In lovely Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Rich Straffolino. And from North of the Wall, I'm Anthony Lemos. All right, lots of news to cover, so let's start with a few photography things. You should know.
2: The photo app VSCO announced that it's relaunching to focus on its core creator audience and return to its roots. The relaunch focuses on a streamlined editing workflow and connecting creatives together with a shared gallery system called Spaces, coming to all users in July.
0: What will the Visco girls do? Then NASA, the European Space Agency, or ESA, and the Canadian Space Agency, CSA creatively, will jointly release the first full-color images from the James Webb Space Telescope on July 12th in a live broadcast scheduled for 10.40 a.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the stream on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. On July 13th, experts from the agencies will answer questions on these images on a live stream. Moment
2: launched a Kickstarter campaign for the 1.33x anamorphic lens adapter, which can be used to adapt standard spherical lenses to shoot anamorphic footage. It works on Prime's 50mm to 150mm and Zoom's 55mm to 150mm. So, node wide angle support. It attaches to the front of the lens with a 67mm filter thread. So, focus shift might be an issue. Early bird pricing starts at $999 and Moment says it ships. In December.
0: Well, in other cinema news, Blackmagic updated the Pocket Cinema Camera 6K with a G2 version. It borrows some features from the 6K Pro model, like having a larger battery, swiveling touchscreen, and support for an OLED viewfinder, but it lacks other niceties that the Pro has, like built-in ND filters. It's otherwise keeping the same sensor as the original Camera 6K. The 6K G2 is available for $1,995. That's $500 less than the original 6K when it debuted, and you get a full version of DaVinci Resolve Studio.
2: The L-Mount Alliance is getting a little more crowded, (laughs) with DJI announcing it joined Leica, Panasonic, and Sigma in the group. This comes as earlier this month, Panasonic and Leica announced a comprehensive strategy collaboration agreement to develop L-Square technology, which theoretically covers full-frame and non-L-mount Micro Four Thirds offerings. And in other like news, it discontinued its TL and CL line of APS-C mirrorless cameras.
0: Right, and in APS-C news, just as... Leica is is killing off its line. We're actually seeing some signs kind of across a lot of different manufacturers that APS-C, you know, the the talk had been, oh, you know, full frame's taken over, bodies are getting lighter, cheaper, uh, you know, readouts, screen uh, sensor readouts are getting faster, but it seems like APS-C is getting a little life. Uh isn't that right? Boo, a- uh, Amos, that's your name. There you <laughs> yeah. go.
2: So many names. Canon recently announced its first APS-C mirrorless camera that uses its newer RF mount, the 24-megapixel R10 and the 32-megapixel R7. The R7 includes in-body image stabilization, IBIS, can shoot stills at up to 30 frames per second, and the R10 can shoot up to 23 frames per second, but without the IBIS. Both shoot cropped 4K 60 frames per second video or oversampled 4K using the entire sensor at lower frame rates. Both arrive in late 2022 with the R10 coming in at $979 and the R7 at $1,499.
0: Yeah, so Canon making that first stab uh, with that with their, I mean, new mount. It's like, what, three, four years old now, but uh, that's not it. You know, uh, Fujifilm has kind of been the stalwart of the APS-C camp, and they announced their latest camera uh, with that sensor size, the X-H2S. They named it so silly because there's no XH2 yet, but whatever. (laughs) But the big thing here is that it's its first stack sensor, APS-C sensor that we've seen. We've seen some full frame. We've seen some micro four thirds stack sensors. This is the first APS-C sensor. It offers up to 40 frame per second shooting, reduced shutter lag, open gate 6K recording, which I know a lot of people are excited about, IBIS, and pretty much all the bells and whistles you expect from kind of a flagship hybrid camera uh, at this point. Uh, And that's going to be hitting uh, the shelves later this year. So from
2: the stalwart to the classics, Sony has been a bit of a sleeping giant in the APS-C world, barely releasing any new cameras after essentially creating the APS-C mirrorless market back in the day. In fact, its full frame A7C is essentially an APS-C body with the guts of the full frame A7 III. But it released three new crop sensor lenses: the 10 to 20 millimeter f/4 power zoom, the 15 millimeter f/1.4 G, and an 11 millimeter f/1.8. These would pair well with its vlogging-focused ZV E10. <sighs> like, why can't they just make the names easy? <laughs> Come on, it, it, there's there's easier ways. So-
0: I have a whole rant about Canon's numbering system. We can get into it after we finish up all these announcements. Even, even not to be left out, although officially they're left out, but rumor wise not being left out in the APSC love. Nikon, little old plucky Nikon. Possibly still sticking with the APS-C game. Nikon rumor sources are saying a Z30 body is on its way. They've only ever had the Z50 and the ZFS. the retro styled, uh, kind of looks like a film camera uh, in there. And they've pretty much left the mount languish uh, in terms of uh, uh, new lens design specifically for that body. Uh, so that could be coming later this year. Uh, Nikon rumors pretty reliable when it comes, you know, they have pretty good sources. All of those Fuji rumors, alpha rumors and stuff like that. They're all pretty well sourced. So we wouldn't be surprised to see that this year. Amos, what is your, your big, uh, like w- which one of these stands out the most to you as, as like, Hey, this is the sign APSC. It's still kicking. It's still going to be around for a while.
2: Well, I really like the fact that Canon has actually brought one to market, APS-C cameras to market using the RF mount, the new RF mount. And I think that shows signs of marketability and market growth. And it fills that a really particular hole. Uh, but the one that excites me the most is Sony. Because anytime you can get Sony into a space, they really have a chance to take over that space and really expand it to the best that that space can be. And they've done things with mirrorless cameras. I mean, they're, they're the ones that, that brought mirrorless to market, really, uh, at least to the mass market. And that is what is what has me excited because when Sony takes something and they run with it, it really pushes the rest of the market along with it. And if they're going to do that with APS-C, that's, that's good. That's, that's awesome for the whole market in general.
0: Yeah, if, if they want to put some of their sensor wizardry, which they, Will sell to other camera manufacturers very happily, uh, and, and really put instead of like even like the ZV E10 is basically an A6400 or, like one of their A6000 bodies right with with just a little bit more vlogging centric like a, has a little flippy screen uh, and and a couple other niceties for that but it really isn't uh, like a, a really substantial rewrite for them like the same kind of effort they put into their A7 line where they're you know they don't come up with them super often but when they do it's a huge flip and deal the fact that they're releasing new lenses for that means they're not planning on and, and like these seem to be like really like that 15 1.4 that's going to be uh what like a 23 like 23 millimeter uh uh ultra, you know with that crop body
1: right that's right,
0: right. that's i mean that's nice for landscape i mean that's nice for architecture nice for landscape it's nice for vlogging now not stabilized but not that big of a deal i agree the sony stuff to me gets me excited that sony hasn't forgotten that apsc is a thing whether they'll come out with new bodies The, the, the Canon stuff, you're right. Like that's, that's obviously a big deal because Canon is a huge company, but first of all, camera makers make the big number better. I can't stand camera makers that make the little number, the best one, be like a graphics card, make it better. Canon, it's a big deal that they're into that, but they're only making really full frame lenses for it. That always is baffling to me. I don't want like a 75 millimeter nifty 50. That's weird. Get it out of here. Do better. Canon.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. However, this whole thing has me excited because it, the APS-C market fills a very specific niche in that Mr. it, if the people with a camera and, on their phone are going to use that and they want to take it to the next level, the APS-C market is that perfect low price point market for them to get into before they step on to either full frame cameras or even up to professional level full frame cameras. And. That market, I don't. I don't want to see that market go away. I don't want to see that upward mobility of people in, in their photography careers being stunted because we now have mirrorless cameras. The APS-C is really an important.
0: Part. And that's why I'm surprised to see Nikon to supposedly come out with another one because their Z5, it's like twelve hundred bucks. I mean, like it's it, on sale, you can get it for under a thousand. That's full frame. It, not the greatest specs in the world, but they've done a pretty good job of building out their budget kind of prime lens lineup, so that you don't, you know, it, it's. It's feasible. It's the price of like a maxed out iPhone, but it's still like not a, you know Sony A one level kind of investment that you have to put forward. Through the fact that they're still kicking around with APSC. All right, let's see what you got, Nikon.
2: Yeah. Either way, I'm just excited to see the market grow. The film company Orwo or Aura or or, or, or Orwo
0: what what Orwo? Yeah. <laughs> a tale of wheel or Orwo? Okay.
2: Okay. The film company Orwo. Has been around the film industry for over a century. They've been in the film industry for a hundred
0: years.
2: (laughs) And in recent decades, focused on the black and white film production. But the company opened up pre-orders this month for the Wolfen NC500, its first new color emulsion in decades.
0: Yeah and if you're saying is that a big deal I think I've seen color films coming out well color film super hard to produce like you could probably make like a very basic black and white emulsion in your bathroom and probably like make yourself very sick with toxic fumes, but like you could do it at your home if you really wanted to. You can't do that with color. Over the last decade, we've seen lots of film brands come to market, but generally like companies like Lomography, they're usually buying film from other companies, aka Cough Cough Kodak and rebranding it. And they're putting their marketing power behind it and making it look real shiny and nice. And that's all great. But this is completely different. This is a, this is a brand new color film. Really big deal.
2: Yeah, the Wolfen NC500 is a 500 ISO film and can be processed in standard C41 chemistry. That means it can be sent to any photo lab for processing, doesn't need to have a REM jet layer found on Kodak's Vision 3 Cinema Film. Oro says Wolfen uses a unique chemical formula based on an old AGFA stock. It does warn that this is currently set to be limited run production with rolls shipping in July.
0: Yeah and to see what what is interesting so I'm a, I'm a big film enthusiast uh for those of you that may not be aware and this summer <laughs> has kind of weirdly been a golden age for new film releases. Uh, right. This isn't even the first new color film we've seen. Uh, ADOX, which is another small uh, 100-year-old uh, film company, uh, put out another limited edition color film uh, called Color Mission. This gets me excited, though, because if Orwo is doing this, I'm imagining they may also be doing this for cinema film, which is where Kodak basically makes all of their money in film, is selling to movie studios thousands upon thousands of feats of film per year, whatever, like that make these long-term agreements, gives them a ton of financing. So if Orwell can turn this around and then do that. That gives them a much better financial backing to like keep making consumer level stuff where I don't think they're making a ton of money. Um, and what this really comes down to is a lot of people that are in the film community complain that prices have gone up recently. And they have. There's like there's no denying that film is way more expensive now than it was five years ago. But I think it's also created a market opportunity for companies like Orwo, like Adox, uh, like a lot of these other... Like uh, Cinestill, for example... To say, okay, we couldn't we can't sell something that's twice as expensive as what Kodak offers, but now we can create something that's price competitive, at least with the higher end Kodak stuff, and it's new, and we can maybe make this a sustainable business going forward. That's a huge deal for like this as a long term viability thing.
2: Yeah, and that's important. Now I have a question, and that is back in the day, you used to be able to get yeah. film pretty much
0: anywhere. You just pick it up. You go to Walgreens. I mean, yeah, technically you yeah, exactly. might find a roll or two.
2: Yeah. But it used to be ambiguous anyway anywhere, anywhere, everywhere uh what makes it so difficult? And why is it so hard to make film now?
0: so a lot of it is uh it comes down to scale right so a lot like kodak in inti- his entire like way of making film was designed to run twenty four seven like never shut down the machines, just constantly produce right, film, right. and so a lot of the film companies are having problems where they can't scale down so that Like when when Kodak wants to turn on their machines to coat new film, they have to waste literally miles of film before like they actually like the machines spin up properly. Really, some smaller companies like Adox is doing a good job. They're they're one that's kind of kind of reformulated themselves from the ground up of being small scale production. But like that's why you don't like film sells out. Like right now, like Kodak color film is impossible to find. Uh, online because they just make it in batches because that's what makes sense. And then they shut down the machines for three months or something like that. Uh So th- that's one of the reasons that like film has just gotten more expensive. The other thing is, uh, regu- in, in terms of regulation, environmentally, like Fujifilm has had to stop making films, they're saying, because of environmental reasons for, in Japan, that regulations just, you can't like use these chemicals anymore in a lot of ways. So a lot of companies are having to either find ways around that or they're paying some sort of, I'm sure they're paying some sort of environmental credit to do that, which makes things more expensive. So there's a, there's a lot of supply chain reasons why it's hard to scale down. Like the, the economies of scale just kind of, don't work at super small production. So that that's been a something to, that a long-term problem the industry's been dealing with.
2: Got it. Got it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, if you want to rundown every single day of the tech headlines, you need to check out our sister show, Daily Tech Headlines, all the essential tech news in about five minutes. Dailytechheadlines.com and you can hear this voice. By the way, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. If you've used Adobe Creative Cloud, it can feel like a subscription. You just can't get off. Photoshop and Lightroom are just two of the most ubiquitous apps among photographers. And while there are viable and excellent alternatives out there to both, uh, you know, things like Darkroom or uh, uh, Capture One, something like that, they're available either as subscriptions or standalone products. There is no denying that Photoshop is just the industry standard. If you're working in photography, at some point you're going to be asked to do something in Photoshop that requires Photoshop.
2: And that's why it's a big deal that Adobe is testing a free web-based version of Photoshop in Canada with intentions to open up to everyone. Mm -hmm. Adobe says the service is intended to be freemium with core features available for free to try out, but more sophisticated features available behind a paywall no word on when a wider rollout will come.
0: Yeah, Adobe launched the uh, web version of Photoshop in October for subscribers. It wasn't free to anybody or freemium or whatever they want to call it. It does offer basic edit tools and layers, but Adobe pitched it more for collaboration uh, with teams to make small tweaks and annotations. Still valuable, but not kind of a standalone product.
2: So is this an Adobe Elements killer, a way to combat piracy and password sharing, or is this Anything more than Adobe giving everyone their first taste for free?
0: Yeah, that that is the the question of is this because I I think Adobe has done a pretty good job on the mobile front of being like, listen, there's a billion base, like, you know, face swap apps or background swap apps. I mean, it's built into a lot of a lot of that functionality is built into like the core apps. Now, I think they've done a reasonably good job of building out their Photoshop Express experience for free and as a paid offering on there where it's like it's it's fairly fully functional, but like, if you want to get in with curves and you want to, or, or, you know, like that kind of editing, even, uh, Lightroom to a certain extent, uh, I think scales really well on kind of this freemium model. I, 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 I wish it would be an elements killer because I do think there is like a, Hey, I just need to do something with like two layers, three layers. I don't want to spend 10 bucks a month, every single month, have this. 10 gig install on my, you know, base, you know, my base level MacBook Pro, like, there's no reason that couldn't be in a browser. And I feel like if they do that, there's enough people that are going to see, yeah, I need, I need more layers, or I need content aware fill, or I need the myriad of features that Photoshop offers that they'll eventually pay. I, I, my, my concern would be that this will still be a, hey, you can use it we're going to offer like two features. We're going to offer the magic <laughs> wand tool and I don't know, text box. Text box. Yeah, and then everything after that you're going to have to pay. That's my fear, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, that's not beyond what I think Adobe could do with this either. I will say that I think this can really fill in that market just like this I was saying about the APSC earlier. This can fill in that market between people that are just dabbling and the people that are doing it full time and the people that are really proficient at it as that learning curve. And if they can give you most of the product without, you know, charging you for it and then keep the premium features behind a paywall, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of concerned on how they're going to do the the freemium aspect of it. Like, Are they going to charge monthly or charge by feature? That'll be interesting to see. But either way, I think this feels that same, that mi- middle market of people that want to get better, but don't know, may not be able to pay for it. Well,
0: I, would even, I would even say Elements falls within that, where it's like, it feels like that that should be like Photoshop easy mode. And it's kind of not, oh. and it doesn't teach you how to use, like, like <sighs> I would like no. this to teach me how to gracefully get into more advanced Photoshop features where I would get the, you know, I I would pay to get that utility as opposed to like kind of like a broken half product, right?
2: Right, right. Now, full disclosure, it's been many, many years since I've used Photoshop Elements. That's true. It's been a while for me too. Yeah. uh, But from what I remember, (laughs) that was crap. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. Different UI. It it did some of the things that Photoshop would do, but it didn't have the advanced (laughs) filters and it it just felt kludgy and it sucked.
0: Hey, hey, back off, back off, man. (laughs) All right. Well, we will get out of here on this at the 40th Lights of Photographica auction at Lights Park in Germany. Amos, I know you go there every year. Every year. A Leica zero, ty- a zero Series prototype camera recently sold for 14.4 million euros, breaking the previous record for these Ur-Leicas, which was expected to sell around $3 million or 3 million euros around there. These prototypes were created by Leica founder Oscar Barnack in 1923, and 23 are believed to have been made, even less of that surviving to this day. This one was particularly special because it had Barnack's name engraved on the top of the viewfinder. But for that money, the winner also got some other niceties, like an attached 50 millimeter F3.5 lens, Ooh. original leather lens cap, and an engraved aluminum cap. You don't want to let dust get into that right. or like a body. That'll just ruin it when you're out shooting in the desert. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm always wondering when I see things like this, you know, these old cameras, these really old cameras that are going for auction and, and all this, you know, selling for all this money and everything else. And I'm always like, okay, it's an old camera, but what makes it special? What makes this one special? And, you know, of the 23 that were made and less than that, that that remain, you know, this one's got some features on it that actually do make it special. And I think that's really cool. I'm still not in the market for a $15 million camera. <laughs> well,
0: and to show, like, to show you how big of a deal this is, there is a a plaque in the, i I I don't, I think it's lights, Germany, right. That, uh, where Oscar Barnack took the first photo with one of these or leicas And there's like, like a giant statue and like a marker right, right. for where it's at. Like, this is a big deal Thank you. for, for that. For like, obviously for like photography, whatever, like as a legacy, Historians, you know, is a prestige yeah. brand, but like it's a big deal for people around there too. So, you know, Hey, if you got 14.4 million euros, I'm, I'm happy that you got what you want. <laughs> that's, that's insane.
2: Uh, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what photo news stories we missed or tell us what you think of the new format. Feedback at com with the subject line, Photo News Monthly. That way we know we get it. And remember, you can catch Daily Tech News Show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, twenty hundred UTC. And find out more at com slash live. We'll see you next month. studios network for more information about this and other shows visit frogpants.com audio program so good it's like you're there diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program
1: (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen